You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 54. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. My name is Jesse Mogul. You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery, and I am in addiction recovery right there alongside of you. And once again, it's just a pleasure and an honor to have you joining me once again for another 30 minutes of, let's see, growth mindset strategies, um, uplifting positive information, um, sort of like a group meeting with only one dude. (laughs) I guess this is more of a monologue than a dialogue sometimes until you jump on social media and let me know what you think. This week, I'm going to talk about something pretty cool to me. You know, I, I do these shows I actually shoot these um, every single week. Generally, I don't know if I've bulk shot yet, although I'm, I'm looking to be doing that soon because the college speaking is going to start taking up a lot more time. Um, and I'll even drop in then and just do more of like, what's going on in my life kind of shows. Because this was really meant to be a uh, conversation with you all as we all went along this journey. All right, And I realized that a lot of you are finding me at varying stages Um, I guess a lot would be an understatement. All of you are finding me at varying stages of your sobriety and recovery. And depending on whether you've got years in or hours, um, the information that you're going to be seeking could be quite different. And for those of you who have a lot of time in and been able to grow with me and this show as I'm now into my fourth year, right? I think I'm going on 38 months. Um, So we're into the fourth year is, you know, it's been pretty amazing for all of us to watch this growth. But for those of you in the beginning, I don't want to get so far ahead of myself and so far up my own tookish that I think that um, everything that I say is going to resonate with those at the beginning stages. And this is why the archive exists. And I call the archive just (laughs) the podcasting app. So you can go back, you can check this out. Um, at the original pilot, you can go back and you can listen to the episode called uh, One Day at a Time versus I'll Never Drink Again. You can listen to the six human needs and find out how they led to addiction and how you can use those same human needs to get you out of addiction and to get you uh, focused on things that are really going to bring amazingness to your life. And I bring all of this up because yesterday I had just the most amazing encounter with um, a bartender at a restaurant that I was having my cheat meal at. And um, for those of you not aware of my insane discipline towards my health, I have this uh, passion to get my body into the best shape of its life. And because of that, I eat a very formulated meal schedule every single day of the week. One day of the week, I'm allowed to have a cheat meal. And so I look forward to that greatly. Um, I stay on course the entire week. I do not let cookies or candy or anything that might even remotely get me off track assuade me from what I'm trying to do. <laughs> and it is not easy all the time. There there will be moments where I'm just like, I want to eat all those pancakes right now. But I stay on track. And so because of that, these cheat meals mean so much to me because I've put a lot of effort and discipline in throughout the week. So I ended up at this really cool place um, to eat uh, just the most delicious cheeseburger and the biggest basket of tater tots that anyone could ever ask for. Um, And in the process of that, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you've seen the necklace that I had made last year with all of my chakra stones on it. And I hang a 24-hour 
uh, chip and a three-year chip um, on it for my sobriety and recovery. And the 24-hour chip reminds me that it's just one day at a time. And the three-year chip reminds me of, of how much time I've actually got into all of this. And uh, it did have a two-year chip on it. I could take the chips off and on. And they're actually keychains I buy at my 12-step store that's over in West Hollywood. So each year, the uh, the year will change, but the 24-hour one always stays. And you can see the 24-hour one is much more weathered <laughs> than the three-year one right now. And uh, the bartender made a, he complimented me on my necklace. And uh, most people, when they see it, they don't they see the stones. They don't re- necessarily recognize what the chips represent. Um, and the fact that he did told me that he at least had some uh, some varying knowledge of sobriety and recovery. Could have been somebody in his family. Could have been himself. I, I didn't know at this time. Um, he later uh, came up to the table and told me um, that he had been uh, 25 days in. And we just had the most amazing conversation. And it was just really, really cool to come across somebody at the beginning stage. You know, I go to the meetings that I go to at Kaiser Permanente, but I know so many of those people so well that um, I don't necessarily come across a lot of newcomers. And it's one of the reasons why I've started going back to um, some refuge recovery meetings uh, here and there, um, looking to start doing some AA later on this year, just get back in the community and and really put my finger on the pulse of, of what everyone else is talking about, because it just... There's an energy that comes from being surrounded by other people going through the same journey that I am. And I'm sure you understand that as well. But, you know, with Kaiser, um, it's, you know, the same Monday. Then there's occasional Wednesday. There's the meeting with the therapist. You know, for the most part, I don't have to go to meetings every single week anymore because um, I'm into the addiction recovery phase of it where, you know, now it's not any of that white knuckling. There's no more pink cloud. It is literally just... I have settled into sobriety as a way of life, and here I go. But meeting somebody who is at the beginning stage, it is absolutely one of the most fantastic things. And uh, sometimes I forget how enlightening listening to somebody at that stage of this um, can really be. Because uh, with like with anything, we get we get in our own worlds, and we just. Um, you know, assume that people see things the way that we do, they hear things that we do, they feel the things that we do, and nobody is ever going to feel, hear, see things the way that we do. Everybody has their own expression of their journey. Everyone has their own experience of what's happening around us. And regardless of what you might think, um, it's going to be more... Let's see, regardless of what you might think, it's going to be different varying stages of, of challenging at different points in your sobriety and recovery. And this is one of the reasons why I, I keep with that moniker of one day at a time, even though I know that I'm not worried that I'll drink tomorrow or next week. It's just one day at a time because you never know when that little little, little carrot at the end of the stick is going to jump in front of you and your brain's going to want to go off and try to justify, oh, well, maybe I can have one. You know, what's one? It's it's just one. It's, it's not that big of a deal. And th- there's still those times for me. You know, when I watch my friends and, and when, I, when I, I still bartend, when I watch people uh, drinking, when I smell it, sometimes like, yeah, there's just like, wow, you know, I can't even taste that. Right. You know, there's so many amazing beers that people make nowadays. And like there was a cookies and cream on the menu yesterday. And I'm like, wow, that's I love cookies and cream ice cream. I was like, look at that temptation right there. 
right? But you play it out to the credits. I realize what one sip of beer means. One sip of beer means, oh, well, if I've already had one sip of beer, I might as well just get the pint. No, if I had one pint, might as well get three. And then even if I can control it today, I know I won't be able to control it long term. And I'm fine with that, right? I've rung the bell. I've realized I am who I am. And I'm fine with that version of me. I don't get to drink alcohol anymore. And in fact, I think that life is insanely more exciting knowing that I've taken that out of the equation. In the past, it was always like, how am I going to keep myself intoxicated? How am I going to go to a zoo or an alpaca farm? And I can't just have fun sober. No, I've got to have a bottle of vodka in my bag. And I've got to drink the entire 12-ounce bottle of vodka right there while I'm at this alpaca farm, right? Like that's That would be how old Jesse would have thought. So let's talk about what it's like to be at the beginning. Because when I met this gentleman yesterday, it was pretty insane. And I remember at some point saying, look... If you're finding it difficult, and he had expressed that there was times when it would be and times when it wasn't, I think what's really important is, and this is what I told him, I think what's really important is you find your old passions, talents, skills, and hobbies, and you bring those back in. And you ask yourself, what did addiction recovery take, what did addiction take away, and what can addiction recovery bring back? Because I really do think that it gets easier. However, using the word easy um, probably wasn't the best term. Um, it could be a misnomer because it, it, is there ever really easy? I mean, life isn't easy. We we thought, oh, we'll get sober and life will be easy. Life isn't easy. And I've talked about this in the past. It, life is life. And there's going to be these ebbs and flows. And there's going to be the car breaking down. And there's going to be the coronavirus causing the economy to spill. And next thing you know, restaurant jobs aren't as profitable. And retail jobs are starting to drop. And if you work for the airlines, all of a sudden they're asking you to take voluntary leave because they can't, you know, they're not making enough money to pay you. And that's just life. That isn't, oh, a de- that wouldn't be any more addiction's fault than it would be sobriety's fault. So when I talked to this gentleman yesterday, and he talked about not being on a not, not being on a pink cloud, but also not being depressed. Um, I, you know, he had this excitement, um, yet, yeah, but he was still questioning what life was going to be like moving forward. Uh, there was this pulling back and forth that he felt, and I've talked to him about this enough to know that. I mean, he agreed with these things I'm saying. I'm not just uh, assuming this. I'm actually coming at it with a conversation that I had with him. Um, he would say, you know, you sort of go to work and then come home and look around and be like, okay, you know, what's next? You know, um, he was already starting to get healthier. He was being able to see his kid again more. And so these are things that the early stages, it's, there's just so much, right? Like there's a lot of questioning. Right? There's a lot of questioning of how you spent your time. And then there's a lot of questioning of what you're going to do with all of this new time. And it can be, I don't like the word overwhelming because I really think that overwhelm comes from a mental state where you just stop taking action. And instead of taking action, you stand there and you just, you, you just, you try to come up with all the scenarios in your head, right? Well, when you do that, all the scenarios are going to seem very overwhelming. If you start, if you say, okay, I'm a, you know, you're at day 25 and you're thinking, okay, I'm never going to drink again. And then you sit there at day 26 and, you, and it's your day off and you're thinking, well, what am I going to do today? And because you used to drink, hold on, and there goes a timer because I like to have random timers go off during my show. Um, <laughs> you're sitting there at day 26 thinking, well, what am I going to do with my day off? This is when I used to go out with my friends and I'd have drinks. And then you start thinking about that, all of that. And then you start thinking about all the different things that you could be doing sober now. And before you know it, you've got 10 scenarios where you're drinking and 10 scenarios where you're sober. And it can just seem extremely overwhelming because 
you you don't know what to do, right? When in reality, it could just be something as simple as, as getting up and cleaning the room. I didn't know what to do today after I got up from my nap. And these are times whenever my brain gets just really jumbled, um, doesn't know what to do. Uh, I usually run myself on a pretty tight schedule. I'm extremely well disciplined like that. Um, and so I had told myself I wanted to organize my room and clean up my house a little bit. So I just started doing that. And before you know it, I was washing sheets. I was emptying the dishwasher. I was vacuuming the floor of my bedroom. Um, and these were all things that I wanted to get done. Were they as pertinent as getting this podcast done or going to my meeting tonight at six o'clock or making myself dinner? No, no, none of them were as pertinent, but it got me moving. It got me going forward. I woke up groggy. I wasn't really sure my brain was firing fast enough to do the show yet. And before you know it, an hour's passed. Things are cleaned up. And now I've got momentum. All right, We're looking for momentum at every single step when we start to feel stuck. Right, because it's like we're, it's like you're sludging through this quicksand mud, and it's like as long as you keep moving forward, even at, no matter how slow, at least you're moving forward. It's when you stop and start to sink down that then taking that next step becomes so much harder. Right, three, four, five, infinitely many more efforts have to be put into it to get that step going. So, for those of you who are in the beginning stages, I really want you to think about opening up more of yourself to what it is you really want to do in your life, right? You've opened up all of this time because now you've quit using. And this gentleman was 28. I didn't stop till I was 40. And my, my first response back when I heard 28 was like, wow, dude, you just bought yourself back 12 years that I don't have, right? Like I, I want you to have that mindset like, wow, now I have all this future ahead of me where I don't have to sit here and try to bargain with addiction, figuring out when it's time for it to show up and when it's time for sobriety to show up, right? Because, I mean, even if you're not drinking for a couple weeks on end or not using, it's but you're not necessarily in addiction recovery, There's that, there, that monster's still in there. He might be slumbering, but he still knows that it's going to be time to wake up again and, and be able to have his fun. Now that it, I'm in addiction recovery, the monster is hibernated forever, right? There's no chance he gets to come out. Once in a while, he wakes his head up, looks around, you know, smells beer, looks at a bar and thinks, oh, what? what's going on with all that over there? And then I'm like, nope. Nope, 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 nope. We don't get none of that. You go back to sleep and, you know, the urge goes away. And I think that's something for y'all uh, newcomers uh, to really understand is that um, the the craving, the urge cycle doesn't necessarily ever go away. Um, it gets substantially less stronger. And you're and I'm able to cycle out of that that craving idea, that urge, usually within 10, 15 seconds, right? Like I can see it. I, I can take a sip of my soda water. I can just, I can play it out all the way to the credits. Like it's, it, it, it can happen in a millisecond where you can see something and go, well, you know, I could just have one. And then you can literally just play out the entire movie in less than a second of what it would look like from the moment you took one till the moment you woke up, you know, wherever it was that you liked to black out. For me, I, li- I love to black out and wake up in my bathtub. It was one of my favorite things to do. Um, so looking at your sobriety in these early stages. You're certainly in the sobriety stage, not necessarily in the addiction recovery stage, because that takes time, right? That that takes um, being able to get through those initial stages where you're, you're counting every day and you're white knuckling it and you're still on the fence, 
right? And I know other people have varying ideas of what that means to be on the fence, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just keep it to the idea that if you're still him hauling back and forth, you're still getting pulled, right? And you're still like, oh, you know, you know, you're, oh, no, just count to five. Just, just wait five more minutes. The urge goes away. Like those, it gets so much better. It gets so much better. Does it ever get easier, like I told him? And that's such a relative term. It gets, you know, does it get easier when you bring back your passions, talents, skills, and hobbies? I mean, easy is just, it's so relative. What's easy for one person is not easy for another. What's hard for one person is not necessarily hard for another person. You got to look at it like you would any situation and think about what you would do if you had no other no other choice but to push forward. Right? It's like for so many of us, we get to this point where the pain of continuing with our addiction is so much worse than the pain of starting our sobriety and our addiction recovery. When people ask me, how did you do it? How did you get through those first days, weeks, months? How? And is honestly the pain of staying in that state of addiction. It was so out of control, unbearable, that it was worth anything to stop it. Anything to stop it. By the time I got to that point on January 13th, 2017, it was uh, my body was breaking down so quickly and, and so badly that... Even once I got sober and checked myself in, into Kaiser, it was still about another four to six weeks of detoxing my body to even get it to feel remotely normal. So normally whenever I would get as crazy as I got at the end, see in the past I would get that crazy and out of control and then I would just detox for two weeks, four weeks, however long it took, bringing in the occasional alcohol sip just to sort of even kill myself out until my body could get back on track. And so when I got sober, that's basically what I was putting myself through. It was my usual two to four to six week detoxification. So those that first month and a half, um, again, not Easy is not the best word, but I don't know how else. To, I don't know how else to frame it. Um, it, it. To me, it was easy to stay sober because I was putting myself through a system that I had perfected over 22 years. I had drinking myself into a very bad place. I was getting nosebleeds, heart palpitations. My left arm was going numb. Uh, my knees would buckle. Like I was sweating uncontrollably all the time. It, I couldn't sleep. Like this was. Just what I, I I knew exactly what this was. I had done it to myself so many times. So to say, okay, we're not going to drink for the next month and a half while we get ourselves right was something that my body and mind had done so many times. So my initial six weeks were pretty much cruise control. I had done that before. Getting past that six weeks and all of a sudden realizing, wow, it's no longer going to be there. Um, again, quote unquote, easy for me because I just will never forget the pain that I felt on January 12th. that I won't forget the pain that I felt the, that entire rest of the year, um, that early stages of the year from January 1st all the way up till the 12th. It was just uh, out of control. Um, and it had been out of control since I had broken my leg skydiving on August 13th of, of 2016. Um, and so when you, when I say that it gets easier, and those initial stages, let's go back to what I said a second ago, is that when the pain of continuing is greater than the pain of quitting, right? The, it's, there's so many changes that go on in your head, and 
you don't you can't even begin to think of what it's going to look like in the future a month a year three years when you want to go to an event like a wedding or uh, a celebration of some sorts and everybody else is drinking like don't you can't do that to yourself because i can tell you even today i don't do that to myself Today I stay sober. Went to a birthday party celebration on Friday. Everyone at the table was drinking but me. I had my soda water, which I like to call clear beer uh, in social situations because soda water, no ice, no straw, no fruit. It's just literally a pint glass of soda water, and it's got the bubbles just like beer would have. And it makes me feel social, right? It, It helps me. It doesn't make me feel social. It gets my mind and my body on board with the idea that I'm in a public setting in a social environment. Everybody else is drinking beer or or liquor drinks. I normally would have been drinking beer. I liked the bubbles. And rather than just drinking water, it's sort of like the bubbles, they dance on the back of my tongue. And it's, it gives me that sensation, right? It, it clicks me into this sort of, oh, I'm being social and everything's, everything's cool. Everything's kosher because it is, right? But it's just a mindset shift. There's no easy button for sobriety and recovery. There isn't. So I mean, this is the way I, that I see it. So I just got my cheat meal yesterday. See, my cheat meal wouldn't be as enjoyable if I ate cold stones and cheeseburgers and tater tots every day. It just wouldn't, right? It's important to me that I get to savor those moments whenever I allow that in my system. Because if I ate cold stone every single day, if I ate cheeseburgers, after a while, it would just get old. It would get repetitive. It would lose that excitement that I had. I mean, it took me like 12 minutes to eat a small, quote-unquote, maybe small, maybe medium, cold stones. And it was so delicious. And each little bite and breaking up the graham crackers on my tongue, like it was just so worth going that entire week to be able to have that enjoyment. And it's very similar when it looks to addiction. Because being an addict, you know, getting drunk and using drugs and alcohol all the time, that stopped being fun for most of us. That stopped being fun so long ago that we don't even remember what the real, quote unquote, real fun of it doing that was even like. It literally, for me, it seemed like it became a job. Like, oh, okay, got off work. Now it's time to drink my bottle of wine. Now it's time to drink my bottle of vodka because I don't know what else to do with my time. I don't know what else to do. I'm going to go home and I'm going to, I'm going to go in my house and there's not going to be anybody there. And I'm going to turn on the television. And it's like, well, what do I do now? Right? Like it had been so long since I actually sat down at my computer and tried to create anything, to do any tangible work that I didn't even know where to start. So it just seemed easier day after day after day to continue to drink. It'd be like, so that's the reason I brought up, you know, the, I'm trying to draw the parallel with ice cream and the cheeseburgers is because if I ate ice cream and cheeseburgers every day, one, that'd be insanely bad for my health, right? You get addicted to that salt and that sugar and and next thing you know, you're eating it all the time and you know, it's not necessarily healthy for you, but it's just so you thought it was delicious, but then it stops. Some point it just stops being delicious, but it became a habit. And now that's just what you eat all the time. You can look at your addiction like that too. It just became a habit. In order to enjoy the savoriness of the cheeseburger in life, you have to stop eating them every day. Now, unfortunately, (laughs) alcohol and drugs aren't cheeseburgers. You can't just not do them for a month and then have them one day and then think, cool, I'm good. I I don't have to do it again for a month because it doesn't work that way. We've rung that bell. We already know that we can't do that. Right? My craving for cheeseburgers and tater tots and cold stones is way higher than it is for alcohol and drugs. I, when I see a cheeseburger, I want to eat it all the time. They're delicious. <laughs> but it, 
alcohol and drugs are not the same thing in as much as that they were really, really destroying my life and they were destroying yours. And that's why we're here today. And that's why you're listening to this show. Like, I love being disciplined because it makes these days when I go to an alpaca farm like I did yesterday, then cold stones, then my cheat meal, it makes those days awesome. Right? So when you're in these beginning stages and you're asking yourself, well, what can I do to get where Jesse's at? What can I do to get where any one of those meetings is at? Where they're genuinely happy about their life, realizing that life has its ebbs and flows. It has its ups and downs. There's days where all I get to eat is white rice, brown rice, and chicken right? But uh, there's those days where I get to have that delicious cheap meal and oh goodness gracious, is, is it ever worth it, right? So what is it you can do that gets you from these beginning stages into this flow of sobriety and recovery? So you already heard the usual clap, crap. You've already heard all this stuff I'm getting ready to list off. Clean your house, eat healthy, exercise, call friends, call family, go to meetings, journal, uh, get your mind um, off of the fact that you're in sobriety and recovery. And, and all of those are extremely, extremely important, right? But you've, you've heard all of that stuff before, and I want to try to bring you something that you haven't heard. Now, if you've listened to my show before, you probably heard a lot of these things. But if this is one of the first episodes that you're getting on, like the gentleman yesterday might come back. I told him about the show. He might go check it out. Here we are. Um, What I ask that you do and what I did and what I continue to do is to sit down and really ask yourself, really ask yourself, look at yourself in the mirror and look at yourself in the eyes and ask yourself, why did you do this to yourself? Why did you get into the addiction mode? And this is assuming that you're ready to take responsibility for your actions and not sit there and cause and try to blame somebody else for why you lived your life the way that you do. You have to take responsibility. Step one of any kind of emotional maturity journey or process is accepting responsibility for your actions, for the part you played in it. Because for just as many of us who had something traumatic happened within our lives and we chose addiction, somebody else had something traumatic and they chose a positive response. They chose a career that helped people who were in a similar position to them. They started a foundation or they started volunteering or they just went around and spread positivity to other people who had gone through something similar. Or they just looked at themselves in the mirror and said, I'm not going to let this this traumatic experience control the rest of my life. Whereas for me, I didn't I didn't do that. I wasn't mindful enough. This is why I do the College Success Habits podcast is to get these young kids mindful of what they're going through now, to get them mindful of how they're dealing with their traumas so that they don't end up listening to from sobriety to recovery in 20 years. Right? That you this is why, you know, um whenever you want to really get something ingrained into a child's head, you start to indoctrinate them, whether it be into a political philosophy, a religion, a way of life, good manners, proper uh, proper ways to dress or speak to adults. Like this is why you this is why kids learn so well when they're young because their minds are this open sponge. And it happens it starts happening way younger than in high school and college, middle school, grade school. I mean, you're, they're, they're absorbing things. And so it's like you can start having these conversations with children at a much younger age than we previously thought in our society because 
it's like in the 80s whenever we thought, well, my kid's too young to have that drug conversation. And then so you wait till they get freshman year in high school and they've already been smoking dope for two years. Right? You, you can't not tell a child when it's an appropriate time to talk about a subject. Because in this day and age, they'll go find it on the internet. And they'll already know more about it than you do at you know a tenth of the age. So I want you to sit down and ask yourself, now that you're willing to take this responsibility for your actions, right? now that you're willing to go back and say, okay, what trauma caused this? What trauma caused this? Sit down and say, you know, what are some of the really strong traumas that I feel on a regular basis that cause me to want to bury my emotions so deep down that the only, um, the only shovel that I could find was actually a bulldozer called addiction? Where is the root of your pain? The one thing we all have in common is that, we're, that we suffer. Even those of us not in addiction recovery are suffering, right? We're just more willing to embrace it now that we're in addiction recovery. But the entire population of the planet is suffering about something. The richest person on the planet is suffering because their daddy didn't come to enough of their baseball games. So it doesn't matter what your finance, what your financial status is. Everybody is suffering. What is the root of your pain then? What is the root of your suffering? Can you talk it out with the person who, who caused it, who, the person who was on the other end of the trauma? And then can you take responsibility where you can? Right. Well, Jesse, I was six years old. How can I take responsibility for my dad coming home drunk and beating me? Totally get it. I have asked myself similar questions. Right? You're a six year old. You you had no control over what those what those parents did. But now you're twenty five or you're twenty eight or you're thirty five. You have to take responsibility for how you're dealing with that six year old who got the beating. Yes, at six years old, you there was nothing you could do to control that situation. Other than doing some Janie's got a gun kind of situation. You were in you were locked in. Those parents were doing whatever they wanted to you. As you got older, though, you could now start to deal with your own trauma. Your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal it. I'll repeat that. Your trauma is not your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal it. What is it that you want out of life? Like really, really, really want and what if you knew you couldn't fail? Would you go after that thing that you really want? What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? Because there is no failure. There's only feedback. Go after what it is that you want. And if you don't get it, then you find out at least one reason or one way why that wasn't going to work. And then you can move to the next one and move to the next one until you finally get what it is you want. And it may never be exactly like you thought it would look like in your mind, but it's going to be a hell of a lot closer than if you just sit there on your couch asking yourself, what should you do next? You already know what to do next. Do anything. Get up and clean your house. That will start momentum. And before you know it, you'll go and you'll buy a book or you'll watch a YouTube video of that talent, passion, skill, or hobby that you've always wanted to you know, refire within yourself. Or maybe spark up because it was never even there. Maybe you've always wanted to play an instrument, write, read poetry. I don't know what it is you possibly could want to do, but I guarantee you somewhere in there is a little child who was super excited about something in their life. And that's all they ever wanted to do with their time. And now you have 
time. You can never go back and get back all that time you've spent, but you can start making better choices with the time you have today. Now, you have to be willing to fail repeatedly for the sake of that impossible goal, for the sake of that impossible dream. Yes, what you think about is what you bring about, but what you do is what you get. If you think bad thoughts, then yes, you'll bring about bad things, but that's because your actions are, are, are rooted in this pessimistic negativity. If you're thinking about positive things, if you're working toward a goal, if you have an aspiration, yes, you bring it about, but you do that because of the action you take. If today the only action you can take is going to a meeting and sitting with other people and hearing about their traumas and how they're working through them and then sharing yours so that you can build that community, so that you feel like you're part of a tribe who who wants nothing but the best from you, then that is awesome. Go do that. Because every single day is a new adventure. And just because I'm 38 months into this doesn't mean that there aren't those days where I come across somebody at day 25 and then all of a sudden I, the, a spark is, is lit back up in me and I'm, and I'm just in awe of the beauty that sobriety and recovery can bring to people's lives. There is no such thing as easy, but I will tell you what, it is sure as hell a lot better than doing it drunk. I'll get you out of here on this. I posted something on Instagram the other day that it's like, I'll take sober struggles over dope struggles any day. And I think that's that's really, you know, that's where it's at. Next time I do one of these episodes, I'll I'll come back with some synonyms for easy. But I will take sober struggles over dope struggles any day. Because life is going to hand you it no matter what. Imagine having to always do that knowing your bank account's been drained because you went to the bar, knowing that you're not going to feel up to doing anything the next morning because you're hungover. Making commitments now to people is so much easier knowing that I actually follow through on them. So start by making commitments to yourself. Asking yourself, what is it that you really want out of your life? What is it that you truly, truly, truly want if that means selling everything you own and moving to Hawaii and renting boogie boards to tourists, then do it. <laughs> because it's because why not? We only get one crack at this life, and it's better to do it sober. I can assure you that. Much love, everybody. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity. Be kind to one another. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.